Hey, I'm Steve, and welcome to the podcast today, and I'm sitting in my office right across from Taylor. Taylor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty great, as usual. Steve, yourself? I'm doing good, except there's a lot of smoke in the air, and outside it's just a smoky day. I know, it's the apocalypse all over again. Apocalypse. The zombie apocalypse is coming, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, we'll see about that, but, um, and it's so hot outside, right? It's been hot this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. It's got to be with those fires and the smoke, just trapping heat in. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, today we, we're kind of doing part two on this Bible thing. We want to talk about the books of the Bible and how we got those and why don't we have a bunch of extra ones and people want to insert or take away from the Bible that we have and that we read today as well. So um, we, in my Bible, there are 66 books uh, in, the, in the Bible, and there are more than 40 different authors of those books of the Bible. So by the way, the term Bible means books, it's a Greek word. And nowhere in the Bible do you find the word Bible. How about that? So, interesting. And then we believe Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. That would be Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And that he wrote those in about 1500 B.C. When the, when the people of Israel uh, left, uh, left Egypt. And then the New Testament books were written about a, let's say, no later than 90 AD, so over a 1,500-year period or so. The Bible was written by 40 different authors on three different continents, and we would say that it has a uniform, single theme through it with no contradictions. I think that's phenomenal that even two people could write a story about something and not have contradictions Mm -hmm. in there as well. So it's just... Uh, phenomenal. So the Bible's written in a couple different languages originally. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew with parts of it written in Aramaic. And then the New Testament was written in Greek, which we call Koine Greek or Common Greek is what that word means. So the Bible, in essence, is God's message to us. God is writing a letter to us. And that begins with Moses getting the Ten Commandments. Because the finger of God wrote out the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. And that was the first written words of God. And then God gave more instruction to Moses, and Moses wrote those things down. Uh, And that's how we got the first five books of the Bible as well. And so the Bible has different kinds of literature in it. Some of it is parables. Some of it is poetry. There's prophecies. So there are different kinds of what we call genres. And I want people to think of it this way that we still have poetry today, right? But I don't. You read poetry? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do? I don't. Except when I read Psalms. So Psalms in the Bible is poetry. But I read billboards. That genre is advertising, right? We all read advertising, you know, things that pop up on our phone or something. So there are different kinds of of uh, literature and sometimes that means that we need to be aware of that when we're reading them so the jewish people if i could say it this way broke up their the, they thought of their old testament in this way that there was the law that would be the first five books and then the rest of it let's put it that way and the rest of it were prophets and writings after after the book of deuteronomy 
So these prophets and writings were to them a scripture. And they collected those and used those in the temple in Jerusalem and in synagogues, and they would read from those. And just like us today, they would write devotional things and commentaries, and they would quote passages of scripture in their uh, devotional works. And we, we have actually copies of those included in Jewish works called the Talmud and Targums and things like that. And, and the Jews always uh, saw their scripture as these, the law and the prophets, or sometimes we call it the law, the prophets, the writings, which would include the historical books. So First and Second Samuel is an example of a historical book talking about uh, King David put it that way to summarize it up and so what we have um, is that one thing I want us to think about when it comes to do we have all the Old Testament books is that Jesus quoted from the Old Testament that we have he did not quote from all 60 uh, from all uh, 39 books of the Old Testament but he quoted from all of the sections of the Old Testament that we have in fact, he would even use the phrase, the law, the prophets, the writings, the law, the prophets, the Psalms. He would use that formula uh, in talking about Scripture. And so uh, he tended to quote it from there. The New Testament authors, like Apostle Paul, Peter, they would quote from the Old Testament too and stick it right into their New Testament letter. And so they quoted from the Old Testament that we have. And I think that gives us great confidence that the books of the Old Testament that we have are reliable. Uh, apostles quoted from them. Jesus quoted from them as well. So, but uh, not the Catholic Church, in their Bible, they have the extra books of the Bible. And we call that the Apocrypha. Have you ever heard that term? No. Apocrypha? Apocrypha. It's fun to say. Fun to say. It's a Latin word, and it means basically hidden or secret books of the uh, of the secret books. And those secret books are books like First and Second Maccabees, were in about 150 B.C., uh, and other kinds of, I'm going to call it Old Testament books as well. And so those things... So my point in saying all that about I did about the Old Testament books is that Jesus never quoted from the Apocrypha, and the disciples in their writings never, ever quoted from that Old Testament Apocrypha for those extra books. They just, they just never did. And I think that gives strong basis for us to say that, that the, uh, books of the, the books of the Old Testament that we have are reliable as well. That's a really good point, Steve. Okay. Yeah, so, um, and I'm cracking one of my textbooks open here because I don't want to mess this up. And it figures I didn't have it marked, but here we go. And when it came to the, when it came to the Old Testament, one thing is in 90 AD, Jewish rabbis gathered at a place called Jamnia and said, hey, this is our this is our scripture, and they affirmed the same Old Testament books that we use. So early on, the Jews did not accept those other books as as um, part of scripture. They just didn't. So the church, 
the New Testament books of the Bible, by and large, were written by apostles. And I want to say, actually, all of them were. So let's just think about this for a minute. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and John were one of the original 12 disciples. Mark was not. There is some indication that he traveled with Jesus, but it seems very obvious that Mark was writing Peter's gospel for a variety of reasons. Church historians from that time period said that. Secondly, the the Greek vocabulary of the book of First Peter, very similar to Mark. So it seems pretty obvious that Mark, his name is on it, but he's writing for Peter for whatever reason. Sometimes people would use a secretary. They would verbally say what they wanted to say, and somebody else would write it down. So most scholars think that's what's happening with that. Luke was a close follower of the Apostle Paul, a teammate, and when you read the Gospel of Luke, it says he researched and collected documents, and his, uh, and then he wrote his story of Jesus, and that is included in the New Testament canon. The word canon means the measuring stick by which we know this is scripture. It's a, it's a Latin word. So this word canon means that uh, our 27 books of the New Testament is what we think is correct and should be included as well. So with this, um, today there's a talk and people are talking about, hey, were there other, other books of the Bible that should be included, like the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Barnabas? These are books written in the 2nd and 3rd century A.D. Clearly it wasn't written by Thomas the Apostle. Clearly it was not written by Barnabas of the New Testament. Uh, clearly they were written hundreds of years after the fact. And in many instances, the, those books directly contradict other parts of the New Testament. I can give you an example. In the Gospel of Thomas, verse 114, it says, Women cannot go to heaven. Oh, darn. Darn, yeah. So, so we look at those things and we go, that's not what our <laughs> Bible says. What are they mm-hmm. talking about, right? I mean, so um, we just look at those things. And we just say, well, it just doesn't fit. So when I read those things, I go, it doesn't sound anything like the scripture that we have. One more note I just remembered I forgot to say about the Gospel of Luke. Actually, in 1 Corinthians, there's a phrase in 1 Corinthians where the Gospel of Luke is quoted verbatim, and Paul calls it scripture. So Paul considered Luke to be Scripture. Peter considered Paul's writings to be Scripture. He says so. And we just have this validation of the Scripture that we have. So some of the apocryphal books that the Catholic Church have, I mentioned First and Second Maccabees, but also the Wisdom of Solomon, Tobit, Judith, Baruch. So those are the ones that the Catholic Church has, and they're mainly Old Testament documents. But the Jews never accepted them. Nowhere did any of the apostles directly quote from those uh, as well. Uh, Some of the church pastors, I would say two or three hundred years later, used those books just like I would use a commentary. So they, but by and large, they never considered them to be scripture. Well, arguments broke out about which books of the Bible should be in the New Testament. (laughs) And so Christian leaders gathered in about 350 A.D. 
hundreds of them to discuss the issue. And what they came away with was kind of a measuring stick for that. And they said they need to be written by an apostle or close associate of apostle. Um, they need to be something that was always accepted by the church. So they had some parameters like that. And uh, basically they were not discovering which documents of the Bible should be included. They were affirming what had already been approved of. I think that's a major difference. They were merely affirming what was already believed. So in this whole canon issue, what books of the Bible should be in there, uh, it wasn't until about 1500 A.D. that the Catholic Church changed positions and included the Apocrypha into their Bible. And it depends on which historian you want to listen to or talk with, but it seems like in some sense the Catholic Church accepted those because it bolstered their position against Martin Luther and the Protestant Reformation. Luther was big on quoting the, the uh, Scripture alone and quoting people like Augustine to say that all these other books don't belong in the Bible. Well, the Catholic Church then proclaimed it to be part of the Bible at the Council of Trent in 1546. And up until that point, those apocryphal books were never included in the, in the Bible as well. So like I said before, the Apocrypha was never quoted in the New Testament and was just not part of that group of Scripture for, for us as Christians. Then in 367 A.D., the church scholar, pastor, bishop, uh, Athanasius, wrote uh, that at the council these books were affirmed. And from that point on, it was kind of a done deal that between Matthew and Revelation, those are the books of the New Testament. Other people groups like the Christians in, I'll say, Syria— they had uh, Bibles then, same Bible. So many of the Roman world people already had that same list of Scripture, and so Bishop Athanasius is only affirming what was already believed about, about Scripture as well. So Taylor, is all this brand new to you? Have you ever heard any of these things before? I have not, and it's kind of an information overload, but it's very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'm trying to put myself into your shoes. Yeah, it would be information over like, what? And what do those words mean? And Women can't go to heaven? What? I know. And I picked one of the bizarre things because it that popped into my mind uh, from the Gospel of Thomas. So that's a Gnostic writing, which are is not included in the Catholic Bible, but there are some... People would criticize the Bible, say you left those out. Well, when you read those documents, you go, that doesn't sound anything like what Jesus said or it's contradictory to things we know Jesus said or contradictory to things we know Paul said. And so those things are just out. They just make no sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I really like your point that Jesus would reference the, um, the Old Testament and not a translation like the or a book like the Apocalypse. Apocrypha. Apocrypha. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Actually, the New Testament quotes secular poets, but it doesn't call them scripture. Hmm. 
that would be me, like me quoting Mark Twain, but I'm not saying Mark Twain is scripture, just a cool <laughs> quote, and it made a point. So I, so once in a while, the New Testament authors quoted secular poets, and the example would be when Paul goes to Athens and he's arguing about apologetics, he says, even as one of your poets said, then he quotes that poet. Mm-hmm. But he's not calling that poet scripture. Right. Although that quote is included in the Bible, mm-hmm. it's just saying merely that it's recording what Paul said, quoting that. So in church on Sunday morning, I might read something from the New Testament and then five minutes later quote Mark Twain. But I'm not saying Mark Twain is part of the Bible. Right. Right. So we have some of that going on in a few places in the New Testament. And that's just something to be aware of. I'm very confident that the Bible that we hold in our hands is the Bible, is, is, is the scripture that God intended for us to have. Mm-hmm. How about that? There we go. Okay. So I think that's the main point when it comes to, um, hey, are, can I trust that the Bible I have is accurate, that it's been translated well, and that I don't, and that there are no missing books. I've got it all from Genesis to Revelation. Maybe not one hundred percent. What's not one hundred percent? Well, I I don't know. It's what I'm saying is that that from Genesis to Revelation, those sixty six books of the Bible, uh, those are the, that's the Scripture. That is the Word of God. There's not seventy books of the Bible. Okay. Yes. There's nothing else to add. We we have it all. We have the full picture. That's what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. You sure? I always like to take the, the, the skeptic view and be okay. like, well, maybe there's, there's, you don't know everything. And so, I mean, I'm, I won't confirm nor deny that <laughs> I <laughs> completely Fair. trust it, but uh, I think mm-hmm. there's always something new to be learned. Uh, but in terms of mm-hmm. what we do know, yes, I could say I trust what we have. Yeah, so... We weren't there in the first century when Paul wrote Ephesians, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like we can recreate that experiment and arrive at a truth. So people have to do legal proofs, corroborate evidence, eyewitnesses, those kinds of historical things. And so, therefore, we have to look at the Bible and say, yeah, that is the correct. Those are the correct books that we should have and that Christians have always used since the first century. I have a chart here in my, in my notes People can't see this chart, but uh, I'll show you. It comes out of a theological textbook. And um, I'm dragging my feet here, trying to get to it. So this chart shows me, if you can see that, mm-hmm. shows like the Gospel of Matthew. And that all these Christian leaders accepted it all throughout the first 100, 200 years. What so do you mean by accepted it? They said Matthew wrote that. Okay. They said it, it, it really is scripture. Some of them actually knew Matthew. Like okay. the Apostle John, Polycarp, actually knew him and then wrote about him. And said, yeah, he wrote. I was there when he wrote it. Okay. Those kinds of things. So we have all this evidence. You see this chart saying all these people accepted these books of the Bible as genuine from the very start. How do we know that they accepted it? They wrote about it. Okay. Where are those writings? Uh, it's <laughs> in my computer. It's in my laptop. It's called the Church Fathers. Okay. And by fathers, they just meant 
people who were first on the scene, I guess, those early gotcha. stages. And uh, they wrote devotional things. They wrote commentaries. They quoted the Bible. They weren't going around quoting mm-hmm. the Apocrypha and s- calling it Scripture. Many of these Many of those early Christians were first or second generation followers of the apostles, and they heard directly uh, from the apostles, the people who actually walked with Jesus. So they would have a very close window into what was actually going on in the first and second centuries as well. Okay, that's So good. if John wrote, as an example, First John, the book in the late 90s A.D., and a man named Polycarp, who I have on my chart here, says, oh, yeah. And we know that he wrote about John and that he hung out with John and he was in Ephesus with John and he was mentored by John. And he begins to quote John and he goes, and John also quoted all these people because he said those are scripture, too. And so we have this chain link of reliability. That's what I would call it. Yeah, that's a really ch- helpful uh, chart to have. I wonder if there's a way we can share that with the audience, but our media team will handle that. <laughs> Maybe in the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, I'm Steve. And this was a podcast about books in your Bible, and we're glad that you're listening in today. I just want to encourage you, above all, to read your Bible. Read it. Think about it. Reflect on it. Ask yourself, what have I learned about God? What is God, what is his character like? Can I trust this God to tell me the truth? Can I trust this God to walk with me? Can I trust God to help me to cope through difficulties in life? And that's really the walk of faith. So the reason we talk about the Bible and its reliability is simply to know that, yes, God said this. It's true. It's reliable. I can trust him with my life. And that's, and that's what we want to do. We want to encourage people to trust the Word of God for everything that, that they need. And so I am 100% confident that if you read Scripture and think about it, you will learn, you will grow, and you will trust God more in your personal walk. And that's really why we talk about these things. It can be intellectually overwhelming and in information, but if we can simply come away and say, I, 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 can, I can trust it. It's reliable. I can bank my life on it. That's what I want to see people do. Okay, hey, I'm Steve, and that was Stuff Today. Grace and peace be with you.